Fuzzy is a telehealth service that offers 24-7 personalized care from veterinary professionals. Get a free 7-day trial plus $20 off any of your pet's products needs, pet meds, supplements, food, and more. Go to yourfuzzy.com AMR and use promo code AMR to get started. GoodRx is a free and easy-to-use service that allows you to instantly compare prices for your prescriptions and find discounts on your medications. For simple, smart savings on your prescriptions, go to goodrx.com AMR. Fiori makes performance apparel designed to work out in, but doesn't look like it or feel like it. It's so dang comfortable, you'll want to wear it 24-7. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet and save 20% on your first purchase at vuori.com AMR. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com AMR. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Liz Waterstrat. Hello, Liz. Hi, Sarah. It was good to see you at the run show just uh, last weekend, I guess that was, or a couple, couple yeah. 10 days ago, maybe. Yep. Yeah, yep. it was nice yep. of you to join us in the middle of the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were outside of Chicago and I couldn't resist going in. I spent, after the show, I spent Sunday evening with my best friend from college and then went into Chicago because I love, love, love Chicago. And we went to, my friend's name is Katie. Katie and I went and saw a Paul Cezanne exhibit at the Art Institute. And, oh, it was fabulous. And I just, I just, there's something about a museum that I just adore, that grand space. And so, you know, the soaring ceilings and just seeing these works of art, like in front of your face, I just feel my brain just zip, zip, zip. And I love it. Um, and then we went, walked through Millennial Park. And then um, my friend was like, oh, have you ever been to the Chicago Cultural Center? It's like, no, never heard of it. Um, so Liz, do you know what that is? It sounds like a place you don't take your children. <laughs> no, oh, <you> no. <laughs> it is. Uh, well, it's free. And it used to be the public library. And now it is a cultural center. Um, I this I think use it for like nonprofit um, gala fundraisers. I, my friend Katie had been to a couple there. And I think there's some research done there. And so, like I said, it used to be the public library. So there, but it is the most beautiful interior. There is inlay everywhere you turn and and then uh, a couple floors up there's this massive massive glass dome that was uh designed and made by louis tiffany so it's tiffany just like my bathroom (laughs) i look up from the bathtub crystal skylight (laughs) Um, and uh so oh my gosh it was just breathtaking just breathtaking and to think that that was public space i mean and then i think about the the library that i go to and it's like so utilitarian (laughs) I'm like, and I'm grateful for it. I mean, after two years of having to put in a hold and pick them up on the sidewalk, I'm so pleased just to be in my public library. So I'm not dissing on it, but I, it was just, it was beautiful. I mean, I, I just sounded like I'd fallen off the turnip truck. I'm like, Katie, this is so pretty. Look at this. Look at this. Do you think it's stone? Do you think it's glass? Like, what is it? And we didn't know anything. There were no signs. So we just kind of marveled and then, then left. Um, do you get into the city very much? No, we we don't we don't venture down there too often. Uh, it's it's noisy, it's busy, but but like you noted, there's so much cultural, <laughs> so many cultural awakenings down there. Yes. Uh, sculpture, the the fountain, the the lakefront. It, it is a beautiful city. 
It is. And also so much to see just outdoors. That's one of yeah. the many things I love about Chicago that, that you, you know, my friend was like, cause of my back, she was like, Oh, do you want to, you know, take the L over to the art store? I'm like, no, no, no. Walking through Chicago is part of the fun, you know, seeing yeah. the Picasso sculpture or the, you know, Calder or whatever there is. I just, I just love it. So um, anyway, so I was glad to get in there and then had some deep dish pizza that night before yeah. I got on my plane. Where did you go? Where'd you go? Uh, we got, so she lives in Park Ridge, which is a um, mm-hmm. suburb. It's out near um, O'Hare, as you know. And um, so in a neighboring town, there's Pequods, the original. Oh, yes. Pequod. Yeah. And so when I had, when I started dating my husband, Jack, he lived in Chicago and Pequods was his favorite place. So that's where we'd go. So that's the deep dish pizza I'm accustomed to. So she's like, do you want to have Pequods? I'm like, oh, Yes. And I want to text a picture to Jack. So he gets envious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is a very unique pizza. Yes, it is. But oh my gosh, if you're not used to eating it, I mean, it was like a lead balloon in my right. stomach and I'm like, I got to get on a plane. Like, I hope <laughs> I don't puke on the plane with my mask on. Like, <laughs> that would not be good. Um, so anyway, anyway, so I hear you have a great anecdote about your kids to share with us. Yeah. And this goes along with our podcast in the spirit of trying new things. So Mm -hmm. all three of my kids are on swim team this year. It's something that we do out here in the suburbs. Every neighborhood has a pool Mm. and every kid, no matter what is is usually on that swim team. So Mason, who's five, Uh he gets to participate in swim team this year. And he had a swim meet, his first official swim meet last night. Uh Yeah. Uh And it's a rite of passage to get a, a tattoo on your back and you know we are the Saybrook sharks so they usually draw a shark with big teeth and it says like eat my bubbles mm-hmm. uh so max being the very loving big brother age 12 mm-hmm. grabs a black sharpie and says well i'll give mason the the tattoo mm-hmm. and let's just say what he tattooed on mason's back was something that you should not tattoo on your little brother's back <laughs> and it was not a shark <laughs> And, and was so, it was it phallic in nature perhaps uh i mean it could have been a shark depending on how you looked at it but there were some features that were not very shark like so my mom took the kids to the swim meet my god bless my mother i was coaching swimming of course and she she brings mason home and she goes you are not gonna believe what max put on mason's back and i look and I was like, oh my gosh, we need to get the rubbing alcohol out. I mean, you, black Sharpie, I don't know if you've ever been, you know, put anything on your body with black Sharpie that didn't belong there, but it is not easy to get off. So oh, I, you have to rub the skin off. Oh, yeah, well, and that's what I was like, not only is he going to have this on his back, but it's going to be like ingrained into his skin because I'm going to rub all the skin off. And then he's going to be in the pool for practice tomorrow. And it's going to be like the outline of this thing on him. So... And anyway. then he'll have, he'll have a scar, he'll have yes, a, scar a dick, for life. A, a dick yeah. shaped scar and, and, on his back. And, and, but I mean, the best part is they do this like before the events and Mason is in one of the first events. And so <laughs> I'm just picturing him walking around the pool for the rest of the night with this on his back that says like, eat my bubbles. Uh, so needless to say, Max got a stern talking to, but it's also one of those moments in parenting where you're like, I'm mortified, but I'm also dying laughing. <laughs> this is going to be something. And I keep telling them, like, when they're in their 20s, they're going to be best friends. But right now, they hate each other. But this is just going to be one of those stories that I pull out. That Oh, yes. And was, was Mason ticked off at Max once he realized what he'd done? 
<laughs> yes, Mason hates Max, and Max hates Mason. It's it's Aww. Uh, Aww. it's definitely shared. <laughs> <laughs> and and what did your daughter that who's in between them? What did she say? Oh, she just thinks it's hilarious. She's, you know what? She's really smart. She just stays out of their way, and, and she goes her own way. But at the same time, Mason is also her little muse because she mm. paints his nails. Aww. And she gets him to put on rings. And nice. so, yeah, nice, they have nice. a nice relationship. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I tell you, and get ready for the rings. My, all three of my kids, you know, my two daughters and my son, they all adore rings. One, yeah. of the, one of the best times we had when we, our big splurge family trip was to um, go to Europe in December of 2018. And one of the, the nicest things we did was we found this really great ring vendor at this outdoor market um uh near uh the pompidou center actually and uh so oh my gosh the kids just were like oh what about this one what about this one looking at him looking at him looking at him so um and my brother had given them each like i don't know some specific amount of euros i don't remember how many um they my brother specifically gone to the bank in atlanta where he lives and then sent them the euros before we left so they're all excited to use their euros and they use them on rings oh wow yeah 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 so oh my gosh that is a fabulous story thank you (laughs) thank you my pleasure and i'm sure i'll have many more as the years go on (laughs) yes yes um all right well as you said um we are talking today about taking up a new sport and i just thought it seemed like a fitting topic for summer when life might might be a bit more relaxed so and it kind of in my mind calls to mind you know summer camps and lessons and so, Coach Liz, you and I are yeah. going to going to talk amongst ourselves about our two new sports, gravel riding and, yes, pickleball, respectively. Oh, oh <laughs> boy. There's, yeah. there's a huge contingent of AMR listeners that have been waiting for this, Sarah. <laughs> I think you're mocking me. No, um, I'm not. Um, I've been waiting for this because I want to know what made you get into this. Yes, yes. So, so, and then after you and I hash out our new sports, we will welcome a mother runner who recently took up a more traditional sport, swimming. So we'll kick off the conversation after this break. Stick around. Some things are inevitable, like allergy season. A good friend was just telling me how her husband and youngest daughter are plagued by dreadfully strong allergies. I steered her to GoodRx, so at least her family can save on prescription allergy medications. With GoodRx, the number one most downloaded medical app, you can instantly compare prices for your prescription at more than 70,000 pharmacies nationwide, including the ones in your neighborhood, and save up to 80%, even if you have insurance already, as GoodRx could actually beat your prescription copay price. More than 24 million folks used GoodRx just last year to save on their medications, and you can too, whether that's on your allergy meds or other prescriptions. Thanks to the savings GoodRx affords my family, we can now go to a pharmacy that's closer to our house and has way shorter lines, saving us time and money when we pick up our prescriptions. Now, when anyone in our family gets a prescription, the first thing I do is compare prices on the GoodRx app. I saved nearly $60 on a pain med I recently had to fill. For simple, smart savings on your prescriptions, check GoodRx. Go to goodrx.com AMR. That's good rx.com slash amr one more time goodrx.com slash amr goodrx is not insurance but can be used instead of insurance medicare or medicaid in 2021 goodrx users saved 81 percent on retail prescription prices our pets a french bulldog plus two cats light up our family's life if you're a pet parent i know you feel all those feels about your furry friend too 
and Fuzzy wants to keep our pets healthy and make them as happy as they make us. Fuzzy is a telehealth service for pet parents that offers 24-7 access to personalized pet care from veterinary professionals. From getting your pet's diet just right, to meeting their middle-of-the-night needs, to finally figuring out if their shedding is normal, nothing is too big or small for a quick fuzzy call. Through live chat and virtual vet consultations available to you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, Fuzzy can answer your pet questions, big and small, urgent and everyday. Fuzzy can also recommend the exact right products for your pet, all of which are handpicked by their established team of veterinary professionals and available at discounts exclusive to Fuzzy members. Our cats, brothers named Pablo and Leo, are idiotically obsessed with chewing on plastic bags, and we worried it would negatively impact their health. So we called Fuzzy, and our minds were put at ease. Check that off my worry list. Right now, Fuzzy is offering our listeners a free seven-day trial membership. Go to yourfuzzy.com AMR today to sign up. That's a free seven-day trial at Y-O-U-R-F-U-Z-Z-Y dot com slash AMR. And for a limited time, Fuzzy is also offering a special discount of $20 off any of your pet's product needs, pet meds, supplements, food, and more with promo code AMR. Again, that URL, yourfuzzy.com slash AMR. Are you tired of traditional workout gear? Then you need to check out Fiori. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Fiori's lineup of joggers, leggings, shorts, and tops is life-changing. All it takes is putting one leg into their joggers and you'll know that this is the most comfortable thing you've ever put on your body. And before you know it, you'll have an entire collection of their clothing because you love it so much. Mm Mm-hmm, all colors, so many styles, and no regrets, that's me. With Fiori, everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. So darn comfortable, you will wanna wear it all the time. Seriously, it's more comfortable than whatever you're wearing right now. Just hop onto their website and take a look around and treat yourself to something that not only makes you look good, but feels good for whatever you're doing today. Now that summer is here, I've traded in my Viore Performance Joggers for Viore's versatile line of shorts that can be used for just about any activity, like running, training, gardening, or just living life around the house. I love the Seabreeze shorts for a comfortable, stylish, airy feeling for all of my summer activities. And for any of you pickleballers out there, yes, I'm talking to you, Sarah, you might want to check out the Seabreeze skirt for looking good on and off the courts. Consider Viore an investment in your happiness, a line item in your budget for self-care. And for our listeners, Viore is offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash AMR. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash AMR. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash AMR and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Okay, Liz, I'm going to ask the questions here for a little bit, and we're going to talk gravel riding. I hear about it at every turn, including a big recent New York Times article, but clue us into what the sport is, including a few details about the type of bike you ride. Sure. So gravel riding is, it's it's basically off-road riding, but I think most people, when they think about off-road riding, they're thinking about a single track trail with like roots and rocks and, and, and dropouts and uh, mountain bikes, you know, and that mm-hmm. is, ooh, that's a little scary, but gravel riding tends to take place on, you know, what might be known as like a fire road or a mm-hmm. dirt road or a, a gravel trail. And, and gravel means different things in different parts of the country. Like mm-hmm. around here, it's a very smooth crushed limestone. If you go where I was a few weekends ago in Arkansas, 
it's more of like chunky chunky rocks mm -hmm. uh, so so that's really what gravel riding is about and as far as the bike you use you can use a mountain bike but what most people use nowadays is a bike that has slightly thicker tires than a road bike mm -hmm. um typically has disc brakes uh, and, and it's just it's it's just suited for a little bit more of an off-road style of riding but and from the pictures i've seen it also looks like they've drop handlebars a lot of them do right um just normal i mean normal normal handlebars well but the the curved ones like that you see on a road bike Yes. Not the straight across. Right. Mm -hmm. Not the straight across mountain bike or hybrid bike style. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. So what about gravel cycling called your name? Well, you know, it really started from me having a series of injuries back in, oh, I think it was like 2017 mm. from riding on the trainer too much. Mm. Uh, you know, when you ride on a cycling trainer in your basement, you're locked into the pedals and it's a very fixed position. And there's just a lot of tension that builds in your body. And let's say you have one little hitch in your pedal stroke and mm -hmm. you're going 90 pedal strokes per minute with that leg and you're on your trainer for 90 minutes. Well, that's a lot of, mm -hmm. you know, doing things the wrong way. And so I started to get just a lot of these weird injuries where like the muscle was pulling from the bone and mm -hmm. I couldn't figure it out with a bike fit or different shoes, different bike, different this or that. So I said, I need to come up with a way that I can train on my bike because I'm a triathlete. Uh, and it can't involve the trainer more than once a week. And this was really challenging living in Chicago because about eight months out of the year, you know, it's it's not the best weather out here. <laughs> so um, one of the most redeeming things about living out here is we have all of these gravel trails, you know, mm. like less than a mile from my house. I can enter a forest preserve that links up with hundreds of miles. Of wow. Gravel. Yeah. In fact, back in 2009, I was training for an Ironman in, in November and I needed to do a long ride. So I went from my house all the way up to coach Jen's house, 50 miles of riding on nonstop gravel. No way. Yeah. So oh. we have just these beautiful trails. Again, this is like one of the, the most redeeming qualities of living in Illinois, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Um, so I just started to get out there and there was one year where I only rode inside for eight weeks out of the year. Wow. I was just out there, yeah, out there on my gravel bike. You know, it's it's all about the right clothing and staying warm uh, when you start to get into like February and December. But uh -huh. uh, yeah, that's how, that's how I started. Because your bike then can handle if if there's snow on the ground. For the most part. Now, the only thing is like if there's ice. So when we start to get into, let's say, January, you know, late December, February, there's too much ice where it's just uh -huh. no matter what. I personally feel like no matter what tires you have, even if you have one of those, like what's called a fat bike, which has mm -hmm. those, has those oh, huge yeah, yeah. tires and people ride it on the snow, it's mm -hmm. still the ice that freaks me out. So mm -hmm. I won't ride in that. Well, I got to say, I looked up gravel rides near me while I was you know, doing up the show notes. And there was a list of literally block long segments on what we call unimproved roads here in Portland. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to what go ride my bike and then go back and forth, back and forth on this little, you know, 200 yard road. Like, I, I don't know. Now I'm envious yeah. of you and your trails. Yeah. I would say it's probably tough in a city, but you know, for those of us in the suburbs or, you know, you go out to like, even if I just go an hour away from here, a lot of the farm roads are not mm. paved. And so mm -hmm. there's tons of gravel out there. So, you know, it's probably something better suited for more suburban 
exurbs, farmlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's what the New York Times pictures look like. It looked like it was a lot of farm roads. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you alluded to your recent race. Mm-hmm. So you got you to tell us about it, and please don't be modest. <laughs> don't be modest. Well, yeah. um, you know, I, I've been doing triathlons for over 20 years, and I think that to continue to enjoy it and grow, you need to try new things. Mm-hmm. So this was the first year they had a gravel national championship. And I just decided I wanted to do it. It was down in Arkansas, which is gorgeous. And they have a lot of gravel out there. Uh, and, you know, it was just your traditional swim, 1.5K swim. Mm-hmm. And then it was um, a 30K bike. And then it was a 10K off-road, true off-road run, which was a mm-hmm. little out of my wheelhouse. But uh, but let's focus on the bike. So you can't really preview, you know, the drawback is like you can't preview a gravel course. You know, not the same as like when you go do, let's say the Chicago try, you can just drive the course in your car and get a sense of it. Mm-hmm. So had I have, had I have been able to preview the course, I would have known that the first 20 minutes were very challenging, lots of potholes, big rocks, big hills. Mm-hmm. And I was going down a hill and I was leading the race. I had a four minute lead out of the water. So I was pretty psyched about that out there with all the guys riding and riding hard and I went downhill and there was like this old dried out riverbed filled with these big, I would call them bigger rocks. Mm-hmm. And I cleared that and then my front wheel caught something on the other side mm-hmm. and I zigged and I zagged and I went down and I, and I went down hard. Mm-hmm. But you know, I got up and I was like, well, there's a lot of skin missing, but if I can get on this bike again and pedal without pain, I'm just gonna <laughs> go for it. Uh, and I had to put my brakes back in, chain back on. And I started riding and I was like, eh, I mean, I'm, I'm okay. My hand really hurts though. But I didn't think I broke my hand, you know, Okay. So, which is good. I mean, you can't, I mean, you could run with a broken hand, but, um, a gal passed me on the bike. So I was like, I'm, I'm still like in the lead, you know, second or whatever here. Mm-hmm. And I got out on the run and it was so technical. I'm not like a big mm. trail runner. I don't know if you guys have like single track trails out there. We don't have super technical trails here. Oh, well, well, neither do we. And I was like, this is really hard. You have to focus on every step. And mm-hmm. I was really worried about falling on my hand. And yes. I said, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. if you fall on this hand, you probably will break it. So oh, mm-hmm. I, I took a cup from an aid station and there were two aid stations on a 10K course and it was like 80 degrees. That was aggressive. I was very dehydrated. Mm-hmm. But I took this cup and I said, I'm just going to hold this as a visual reminder <laughs> to focus and not fall on my hand. Oh, my and gosh. and I started calling it my cup of courage because <laughs> I mean, I have serious road rash all over my right side and it it was just like grinding you know grinding the gravel into these gashes that i had and so you there's a a video of me crossing the finish line with my cup of courage in my hand (laughs) my husband's like why are you still holding that stupid cup i'm like this is my cup of courage (laughs) so anyhow i ended up winning my age group which was great uh, oh my gosh. Losing a lot of skin, not great. But the real stinker about this is my hand ended up being a torn ligament in my thumb and I had oh. to have it surgically repaired. And so, mm. yeah, it's kind of an annoying because I can't swim and I love to swim. Oh, but, um, which yeah. hand? Which hand? My left hand. So that's that's the saving grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's still a lot of things I can't do. Like I can't type. Oh. And I, I can't pull my hair back. <laughs> so my husband has to do that and I think he's really getting sick of doing that 
Does he braid your hair? Do you all sit he around tried. in your pajamas? You know Sarah, he tried, and I didn't have the heart to tell him that he really wasn't good at it. Oh my gosh, but, um, I love that. But, but you know, I mean, talk about like perspective. I, I coach a woman and she has one arm. Uh-huh. And I keep thinking to myself, you know, Liz, your inconvenience is her reality. So mm-hmm. shut mm-hmm. up. Yeah. You will be out of this, you know, this gauze cast. Mm-hmm. You will be back to using your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, while it's not fun, it's also just temporary. Yes. Yes. Perspective. Perspective. Yeah. yeah. And your your daughter's too young to be able to braid your hair. Yeah. She, want, no, she wants no part of it. My son, oh. the funny thing is one day my husband wasn't home and my son was here with his best friend. And I was like, I was like, guys, you have to like, help me. You have to try. And <laughs> this neither... is the 12, the 12 year olds, the 12 year olds. And you can imagine I'm giving them a hairband. <laughs> Max fails. So I said, Joseph, can you please try? This, this kid's never going to come back to my house. He failed. <laughs> Go so many relays the story just slightly wrong. <laughs> I know you get a call. I wanted to to tip off his mom. Listen, Robin, I asked your son to pull my hair back. (laughs) This isn't a normal thing we do at our house with kids, but. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is fabulous. That is fabulous. Um, So, okay. So all this reminds me of my dad who always said, you know, be careful, be careful, be careful. I joke that my father raised me to be the world's largest chicken. Um, so, I mean, how gnarly dangerous is gravel riding? It's not, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I happen to just hit the wrong part of the course at the wrong time, mm-hmm. but you know, in general, like the, the, the gravel trails I ride around here, it's like being on a paved trail almost, except there's crushed limestone on it and it's mm-hmm. really low key. You know, I would imagine it looks very different if you go out to Colorado or, you know, down South, but, um, I, I think that like anything, there's risk involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that should keep you from being curious about it or giving it a try. And if you feel like you get out there and it it feels too risky for you, then you can always say this isn't for me, but Mm -hmm. I don't think it should be a barrier to someone trying it. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. 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 Or going with someone, I think, um, for me, that helps. Uh, I was, um, I really enjoyed mountain biking when I lived in San Francisco and my friend Joe is just a world's most intrepid cyclist. He's cycled to base camp in Nepal and he's gone all over the back remote parts of China. And so he would go out with me and was very patient and just helped me get over my fear of going over obstacles and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. So so in that New York Times article, there's a bit that says, for many riders, being on the bike is a form of relief that they refer to as, quote, gravel therapy. Riding isn't just about physical health, but mental health also. It's about breaking routines, finding new paths, and pushing past psychological limits. So does that resonate for you, yeah. Liz? Yeah, 100%. I think what I love about gravel riding is when you're out there on a path, it's not like when you're riding on the road. You know, when you're mm-hmm. on the road, you have to be so attentive to everything not just yourself but the cars and the stoplights and and it's 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 dangerous you know everything's dangerous when a bike is involved but um it, it kind of takes some of the fun out of it i find when you're on mm. roads but on gravel not that you can totally let your guard down but you tend to be out there on a path in nature it's less crowded it's quieter uh, and, and it just kind of you know helps you just unwind a little bit and just soak in the nature a little more versus just being on the roads and being worried about, you know, who's going to buzz you in their car. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I mean, we do have um, a fire road here in town. It's called Leif Erikson Trail, and it's in um, Portland is home to the largest uh, uh, forest in a urban setting or uh, park or I don't know, some, some claim to fame we got. And so uh, Leif Erikson trail is quite wide. It's a fire road and it's, I think it's a little over 11 miles point to point. So it's on the, granted it's on the other side of town, but, and if I hadn't had all of my bikes stolen over the past couple of years, I would know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for leaving that garage door open, Jack. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So what advice do you have for gals looking to take up gravel riding? So first, I think the point that you brought up of getting out there with someone is really important, especially for women. When you're doing something new, you're not familiar with the area just for safety reasons. Get out there, see. There's There's a lot of these rising gravel groups out there. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of them I'm thinking of is maybe it's Girls Gone Gravel or Girls Gone Gritty, Mm. you know, and and these might be very similar to AMR where they're online communities, but they Mm -hmm. might have some different satellites around the country, groups you can meet up with. So get out there, um, know the trail, see, see what you can find out about the trail, if there's some type of trail map, and carry that with you, you know, bring your phone with you, mm-hmm. uh, make sure that you have the a bike that's suitable mm-hmm. uh, and the right tires and the right pressure in your tires. And this is all stuff you can go to your local bike shop and just ask, ask some questions mm-hmm. and they'll be more than happy to, to help you or help you purchase something to <laughs> make your ride better. <laughs> so that's, that's where I would, that's where I would start. Okay. And how about, um, since you are a coach, how about some overarching coachly advice for taking up any new sport? You know, I think that it's important that you put yourself in the right frame of mind and and almost embrace that beginner's mindset. Uh, you know, think about when you tried things as a kid. You didn't feel this pressure to be good at it. You didn't feel this pressure like you had to have a certain outcome with it. You just tried it because your friends were doing it or your, your, your parents suggested you do it. And you just had this curiosity uh, and this confidence and just you were willing to try new things. So I would say go into anything new with that same beginner's mindset of what can I learn here and how much fun can I have, not how good can I get at this? And you might get to the point where you're like, okay, now I wanna see how good I can get at this. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Let yourself be a beginner, try and fail and you know make a fool of yourself. Nobody cares, honestly. Everybody is so wrapped up in their own world and experience. Nobody cares. Like uh, when, when um, you know, you think about going to the pool and you're the only person in there and the lifeguard's sitting in the chair. They're not even looking at you. Sometimes they're like looking at their phone under their uh, floaty thing or they're daydreaming. You know, There's, they're asleep <laughs> they with their care. eyes open. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They don't care what you're doing. Um, all right. So now now we're going to turn the table and <laughs> oh, we're going to the court. Yeah, yeah we are. We're going to talk about my new sport. Um pickleball um because one of the reasons i want to talk about this was because you know you think of it as the cause of my bulging discs and yes that is that is plural (laughs) no i actually i I don't that i think we can blame okay no so i think if we took an image or an mri of most of the listeners backs we would find some type of re uh, a disc injury you know it's Mm -hmm. it's very common as we get older and move through life Mm -hmm. so i just think it was probably the wrong move at the wrong time Mm, okay that you know very much like my bike crash 
-hmm. Maybe you aggressively went for like a rotational pickleball slam mm -hmm. and bow, there just pop. Mm -hmm. There went that disc. You know, that's interesting you say that because that's my theory that, that how do we know that I didn't have slight, some slightly bulging discs before all this? Oh, I'm and sure was, you did. You had yeah. twins. You, you birthed twins. Well, so thank you. So that's that. And, and the analogy that I have to it is when I was carrying twins, you know, that it's a high risk pregnancy, you know, they're, they're up in your business a lot more. Mm -hmm. And um, so they, I'll get a little TMI here. I remember, I forget what week it was, but they're like, oh, you're already, you know, let's say two centimeters dilated or something. And so they were kind of a little concerned, like one doctor was a little concerned. My other doctor was like, hey, for all we know, you walked around for your whole singleton pregnancy that much dilated but we just weren't checking you out as much yeah and so i'm like yeah because uh, i'd say yeah a, yeah i mean this so is why mri is known as might reveal injury because oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you've probably had that for a long time but you know let's let's talk about pickleball with okay. an open with an open mind okay and so how did you i mean i'm not seeing a seamless transition from running to pickleball so how did you get there <laughs> so i played tennis in that was my sport in uh, my first two years of high school and because i was not an athletic child but finally i took some tennis lessons starting in sixth grade so i had i have came into it with a love of racket sports but i haven't played tennis in a really long time but at Rancho La Puerta, they have uh, the that spa resort down in northern Mexico that Dimity and I get to be presenters at once a year. Um, they have beautiful pickleball courts. But I'd always been so busy at Rancho La Puerta that I never got over to them. So before we went last year, I was like, I am getting to those pickleball courts. So day one, there I am at the nine o'clock class. And I tell you, Liz, by... An hour later, I was playing a game. Like the the learning curve is that it's that quick. Yeah. Um, and so I just I just found it so fun. It you play doubles, and because I just have we like side to side running is I'm not great at it. Uh, you know I've been doing a lot of forward motion for a lot of years, and so going laterally not great at it. So I love the the doubles. I love the camaraderie. I love that you don't have to run all over the court. Um, and it was just super fun. So I played like a fiend all that entire week in Rancho La Puerta. I mean I was playing two three hours four hours a day. Um, and, uh, you know, just made pals with other, uh, guests there. And so then, and, but everybody, you know, there'd be people from, I don't know, the twin cities or from Florida or wherever. And they're like, oh, we have the most beautiful pickleball courts. I'm like, nope, Portland doesn't have them. Portland doesn't have them. And they're like, oh, you just don't know. You're going to get home. Oh no, I got home. Portland is almost devoid of good reliable pickleball courts. I'm just huh. like, this is bogus. So I started traveling, you know, driving 25, 30 minutes to get to different courts was going. So this was in November, um, known as not a great time of year, typically in Portland, but we had, mm, I mean, a number, a lot of dry weekends because you want to play a dry court. And so every single weekend I was going to play oftentimes both Saturday and Sunday and just was, a dog with a bone. I was loving yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have two thoughts here. One is I think you need to start some type of committee to get pickleball courts mm -hmm. in the city of Portland proper. Yep. Where you are. First of all, I think you could, I, 
I could see you having a lot of pull and influence there on that. Oh, nice. But the, the second thing is, did you feel like at a certain point where pickleball was almost like you look, you were looking forward to it more than you were looking forward to going out for that next run? You betcha. Like <laughs> I was so excited. I was giddy. I was giddy for it. So much so that so you know, as we record this a, a little over a week from now, I'm going to Missoula, Montana for, to be the, you know, Dimon and I are the headline speakers at the race and we're recording a podcast. And, and so in, and we we're supposed to do it in 2020, got postponed 2021, the same thing at 2020, I was raring to go for that marathon. I was following you and Jen's, you know, heart rate training. I was loving it. And then, um, 2021, I was, I was, I was going to do it. I was fine. I was good. But when they canceled, I'm like, oh, I'm not so bummed about that. And this year, before I got injured, I was like, nope, that is going to cut into my pickleball way <laughs> too much. I'm not going to do it. Like, um, so, and also because, you know, all we have is the here and now. I definitely believe that. And that I just thought I am loving pickleball right now. So I, at the time, I thought I was just going to play as much pickleball as I could fit into my schedule. Yeah. And isn't it interesting? There's a season for everything. And it's not that you didn't love running. It's mm -hmm. just that, you know, it, it's okay. And I think people need to understand like, it's okay to just shift your focus somewhere else for a while, you know, try a triathlon, ride your bike, go to jazzercise, whatever mm -hmm. you find that, that fires you up and you can always go back to running. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, so running is, is tends to be very goal oriented for most people. You, you sign mm -hmm. up for a race, you want to get that shiny PR, mm -hmm. but what about pickleball? Is it, is, did you have that same competitive, oh you know, gosh. drive? And, and did you feel like the games fed that drive? Oh, I, what, like I am, you know, kind of known to be competitive. I've let, I've let it, it's kind of, uh, gone to a slow simmer because of age. Um, so I'm, you know, not, <laughs> I don't, I don't harbor that many dreams about requalifying for Boston another time. And, uh, so I just forgot how much I love that competitive feeling. And it's not, don't get me wrong. I am not out there for blood on the court. I am not out there to necessarily win the match even necessarily score a point. I just love a well-played competitive, like with many hits, you know, Oh, and a, you know, dive here and, you know, rush the net there and all that stuff. Like I love the excitement of a fast paced, um, like testing me type points. I just love that. And what, you know, and when I make a good shot, I'm just filled with pride and excitement. And, you know, I'm a little bit vocal. I think some of the men that I play against aren't so crazy about that. Um, but, you know, I'm like, whoa, you know, and, and, you know, I shouted, you know, my partners and you get partnered up with people you don't know at all. Um, mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I just, you know, I give lots of kudos to people and, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm my authentic self maybe dialed up a couple notches <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> so what about you know before a run race you get the little butterflies in your stomach do you stand uh -huh. there on the pickleball court with your what, what is it called is it called a paddle or a racket it's called a, a paddle yeah okay. thanks for asking yep. mm -hmm. so you're there with your paddle uh, i'm envisioning this paddle visor Oh, no, I'm not. My visor? Hand, okay. I look like Sideshow Bob when I wear a visor. I wear a hat. I do okay. wear one of yeah. our running hats. Yeah. Uh -huh. You got a lot of hair. Yeah. Uh, so paddle, <laughs> tennis skirt, skirt, 
no, no. Uh, given that I was mainly playing in the winter, it was typically, you know, capris, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. But, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause you also don't, you, there's only one ball on the court at any one time. And so you don't have to have pockets, which is nice. Got it. Mm-hmm. So are you yeah. nervous when you're there waiting? Oh my gosh, Liz, I get so nervous every single time I even go to get in the car to go to the pickleball courts that I just, I think, oh, what if there's, you know, what if there's people that are a whole lot better than I am? What if I don't like the people who are like, what if there, there, there can be some kind of um, grumpy older white men there? Um, and because also one of the, the, the really swanky courts, it's fine. Like I have these, I have options. At least I can go north to Vancouver, Washington. They are um, just kind of modified tennis courts with temporary nets, this whole thing, but super friendly people. And then this um, swanky, swanky suburb south of the city is called Lake Oswego that has six beautiful, dedicated pickleball courts. But I find a lot of the men there, a bunch of D-bags. Um, and so shocks me really. So, so I, um, does it shock you that I say that, have that thought or that they are that, um, um, and, uh, so I, and then there's, there were also dedicated courts that were further, even further away. The people just were so, they were, they were friendly, but very quiet and reserved. I'm like, okay, these are not my people. Um, so, cause even if people aren't exuberant, I need some people to, at least to appreciate my exuberance. Um, so anyway, so I ended up choosing Vancouver. I'm like, I will take the less swanky courts for the friendly, welcoming people where I don't feel quite as nervous going to, but yeah. still every time, every time I park there, I kind of scan to see who's there. And I'm like, okay, okay, you can do this. You can do this. And now that I've been out injured for a while, Ooh, it is, I've been, I've played, I don't know, maybe, four times during this whole thing and yeah oh yeah so well what's what's your return to play plan oh goodness um you well have, you have one um so i get a um you know a, a cortisone shot in my spine on monday and i hope that it is a success so if that's the case i'm definitely going to take it easy um, and not jump back into playing, you know, two to three hours, both days of the weekend. Um, because that is the thing because of the drive involved and there's, there's a lot of bad traffic in Portland. So to go to either one of those places on a weekday is kind of prohibitive. Um, Mm -hmm. so I am a weekend warrior on the pickleball court. Um, I have been strengthening my back a lot, so I think that'll help my game. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to, be conservative because I do want this to be like my lifetime sport. Like if you yeah. can't tell, I just, I just freaking love this game. I just love it. So, so here's what I, I love. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here in a cast. Mm-hmm. You are getting an injection <laughs> into your spine and we both cannot wait to return to our sports. I don't know if that is something we should celebrate or something we should that we seek should help about possibly seek help and medication about, but I just, you know, and I think this is a great example that you, you sport means so many things beyond just winning and losing. Mm-hmm. And it's just all these feelings, like all the feels you just talked about. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's why I love to race too. And I just, I can't wait to get back out there. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, this is just, I'm sure you see it too. This is just a bump in the road. <laughs> oh, it's just a moment in time. That is yeah. what, um, yeah, I did realize this morning while I was swimming that this is, um, 
yesterday, as we record this, yesterday was the four month anniversary of when I, of my last run. And so it's the longest I've ever gone as, as a runner without running. And, um, yeah. So, but also, you know, as my, as I face, um, being an empty nester in a year or two, I also think like, I want something new and fulfilling to, to take up some time. And, um, you know, when, when my kids were younger, all I wanted to do was to lounge and read a book and I couldn't do that. And now on the weekends, I'm like, Oh, I'm just lounging and reading a book. I want something to do. (laughs) (laughs) Pickleball. Do you have a bumper sticker yet? Do you have like, I'd rather be playing pickleball sticker tattoo Tattoo of like a paddle and a ball. Yeah, I do not. I do not. I'm sure there are. I predict, you know what? I predict in one year, You'll be contemplating the tattoo. <laughs> no, I think, I think give me a couple of years and I might be considering, you know, going to some tournaments maybe. Yeah. Um, the, that friend Katie that I saw, the one in, who lives in Park Ridge, she is obsessed about um, paddle tennis. Um, another what, um, ping pong. Uh, no, no paddle, the paddle tennis. You, you don't know what paddle is. It's, um, it's a big sport out there. How, how many, no, come on. How many different paddle sports bracket and ball sports okay what is is what is paddle tennis paddle tennis is played um in an enclosed it's a court that has um i'm gonna call it chicken wire because i don't know my wire well enough but it has quite high um fencing around it so i don't know if you're allowed to play off the walls but it's also so the ball doesn't go flying into the woods because growing up in connecticut it's not uncommon to see a paddle tennis court in somebody's wooded backyards i'm sure you've seen them out there in the suburbs i'm thinking racquetball no so no oh yeah no there's two sides of there's a net and there's two sides to it that you're not playing off a wall and so and the court is um uh treated lumber i think or maybe painted wood that has slats in between it because it's actually a winter typically a winter sport so that it's a way to get outside and enjoy being outside and then you can um sweep or um shovel off the snow i guess if it's ice then you're then you're hosed no pun intended but um so and you can play double she plays double she plays oftentimes with her brother um one of her brothers and um and it's a shorter um paddle i think it has i think it has holes in it it's solid wood but then i think it has holes in it and um yeah and so she plays goes she just w- came back from the east coast not long ago for um like the national paddle tennis tournament yeah so yeah 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 so um yeah I, I so maybe inspired by katie you know maybe i'll um, yeah 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 i don't know hey, have you ever tried a sport you know, just to try something new and realized that you really didn't like it. Like you would, you'll oh. never try it again. Oh yes, ma'am. Oh yes, ma'am. The, um, uh, my dad, like I said, raised me with a lot of caution and I'm also convinced I have a theory that some people's nerve endings are closer to the surface of their skin <laughs> than other people. So that thrill seekers, their um, nerve endings are buried a little deeper. So they have to really push themselves to feel that same thrill. Whereas mine, like I get a, a little gust of wind and I'm like, okay, that's enough. That's enough for me. <laughs> you know? And So um, I don't like thrill seeking sports or I remember I, um, when I was single and living in the Bay area, I took up 
I really enjoyed indoor rock climbing. I got to do it for part of my job. And so that was, that was awesome. You know, it's very controlled. It's, you know, temperature controlled, light controlled. You can see everything in front of you. There's it's the, where you're going is almost mapped out by, you know, colored holds and whatnot. And so then I'm like, oh, I'll learn how to outdoor rock climb and took a, a weekend long class. Oh, I was miserable. Yeah. And I, I remember I was up on this rock and I just kind of got, first of all, my strength to weight ratio is not good. I am not a small person. And uh, I started getting what they call sewing machine leg, you know, where your <laughs> leg is kind of almost <laughs> uncontrollably bouncing up and down. And and so the, the instructors down below saying, oh, keep going, keep going. You're going to be so disappointed in yourself if you come down. I was like, oh, no, I won't. Oh, no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but lay me down. I'm done. <laughs> um, and like, like surfing, Dimity and I, when we were freelance magazine writers, got to go on a lot of swanky press trips. Like Patagonia yeah. took me to, and a bunch of other journalists to um, Sayulita, Mexico. Like life was good. Life was yeah. very good. And I acknowledge that. And um, so we got to uh, learn how to surf and, oh, that was just, I love the water, but that was not mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are there sports that you've done? Have you ever met a sport you didn't like? Oh yeah. Uh, kayaking. I mean, I like, I like being, Mm -hmm. uh, but then I kind of get to the point where I'm like, I like this if there wasn't so much paddling involved, (laughs) you know, I mean, cause that's it. That's all you've got is that stupid paddle and it's really hot and you're in the direct sun and yeah, so I'll, I'll do it, but I don't enjoy as much, but then here's a new one. Uh, last year, my pool had an adult water polo game, and my son oh, plays water uh-huh. polo, and it's uh-huh. really a neat sport to watch. And I told my husband, I'm like, we have got to try this because we're probably the most like athletic people kind of in the neighborhood. Athletic as adults, I mean, there's uh-huh. former uh-huh. Division One athletes in this neighborhood. But um, <laughs> and I'm like, how hard could this sport be? <laughs> oh, I was terrible, terrible <laughs> at it. I kept putting both arms up to catch the ball and getting fouled, <laughs> and you know, you get like the little cap on and. Yeah, it was, it was so aggressive. The ball's coming at you so fast and you have to tread water and, and then you have to swim really hard. Oh, it wasn't do. for me. It was you not do. for me. We, um, we, and I'll let you, I'll let you go pretty soon. Cause I hear your kids are home, but that, uh, um, we sometimes for our rowing team, when we were at Colgate, we would cross train by playing water polo. And, um, I, I was kind of intrigued by it and the pool where I swim, they have, um, water polo and I've thought about it, but it's Saturday nights at nine o'clock. Oh and I'm gosh. like, I'm like, no, 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 no. There is Netflix to be watched at that time oh, or sleep never to be sleep. had. I you know. would never sleep. Like if you were doing that, I once did a neighborhood. We have a former professional soccer player in my neighborhood and Ooh. she's like, let's start a women's soccer team. And I'm like, great. I'm again, I'm athletic and I can do this. Oh no, I'm terrible at this because it's not just running, it's cutting and kicking. And, <laughs> but it was at like nine 30 at night and you'd yeah. get home at 11, totally you know, buzzed and exhausted yes. and hungry. Mm-hmm. So yeah, night sports, not for me, not for the over 40 crowd. Right, 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 right. Or you hear about the people who like play ice hockey at 11 p.m. I'm yes. like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. Oh, yeah. oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All right, let's now bring on our guest. Lauren Haramik is a mom of two school-age kids and a pediatric physical therapist in Pittsburgh, PA. 
One of our brand ambassadors, a BAM ambassador, Lauren is aiming to do her first ever triathlon this summer. It's a sprint distance. So her new sport is swimming. Thank you for joining us, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, Lauren, it's coach Liz here. And I know we're going to be talking about swimming, but I want to know, how did you get started in running? Um, I started running maybe nine, no, nine years ago. Yeah. Um, mostly to get out of the house. My kids were two (laughs) and five at the time. (laughs) Um, I was not athletic in high school and I, used to say, I hate running. I'll run if there's bears or zombies. Um, so (laughs) my husband kind of looked at me sideways when I said I wanted to do couch to 5k and the rest is history. (laughs) So at what point did you decide to switch gears from the running and say, I'm going to do a triathlon? Um, my husband did a sprint triathlon locally, maybe five or six years ago. And I was kind of like, that's interesting. I'm going to maybe put that on my bucket list. And it's been kind of in the back of my mind ever since. Um, I ride my bike just recreationally on the rails to trails, um, gravel trails around here, but I've never like competitively Mm -hmm. done biking. Um, Yeah, that's been on my bucket list. So when this one came up and uh, you guys talked about it on the podcast episode, and I talked to several of you at the retreat in Hilton Head about it. I said, this is my chance. I'm going to do this one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So before we dive into your swimming, um, (laughs) thank you. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Since, since it's pride month, I'd love if we could take a a kid related detour for a few minutes, Lauren. And so I'd seen, I'd seen on your Instagram account that you and one of your children went to a recent pride event. Could you please share a bit about that, including what prompted the two of you to be part of that joyful event? Sure. So my 11 year old, um, probably this fall was kind of discovering what they identified as and, um, decided to start using they, them pronouns. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had actually done a gender diversity training for my work. And so it was like, Hey, I kind of know some stuff about this. I am prepared (laughs) to answer some questions. And, um, we've always been a very open, supportive family. So like, it was never a big deal or anything. And, um, I signed up to volunteer with free mom hugs and I was signed up on their Facebook group a couple years ago before the pandemic, probably, but I never volunteered at any events. Um, and this, Wait, I'd never heard of that. I didn't realize it was an organization. Could you now take a yeah. detour from our detour? And- <laughs> I don't know like a whole ton. I mean, I've joined as a volunteer member and it's nationwide, I believe. Um, And literally just a lot of times at pride events, but maybe other events too, uh, volunteer to literally give out mom, dad, sibling, aunt, whatever hugs, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe to children, young people, even adults who did not have a supportive family and Mm. want that, you know, reassuring word and a nice bear hug. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so I decided I was going to go to pride just to volunteer with them this year and asked, um, Aaron, do you want to kind of go with me and see what, and they were very excited to go. And so that Mm -hmm. was how we decided to go. (laughs) Nice. Nice. And, and was it a positive experience? It was, we, um, the group, anybody that was in the group, um, could march in the parade, And then we had a table set up at the um, park where the parade ended uh, 
where we would, we had stickers, we gave out hugs, talked to people. Um, and when I wasn't volunteering, Aaron and I grabbed lunch and just walked around and it was just kind of nice to a see that, you know, there are supportive people out there despite of some of the things going on. Um, and then B, uh, Aaron kind of didn't understand, like some people's moms aren't accepting of things like this. And mm. so that's kind of why I was there volunteering. And they kind of on the way, car ride home, we kind of talked about like, yeah, I talked to a young person who said they were kicked out of their house and they really needed mm. a hug and a reassuring word. And, um, I don't think that wasn't my intent going down there, but, um, it kind of opened Aaron's eyes a little bit about like, oh yeah, there are kids and young people and even adults out there who um, their biological family isn't really there for them anymore. Oh, that's that's great. I'm uh, I'm so pleased you did that. That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so Lauren, I know that you have no swimming experience, zero prior swimming experience. Yes. <laughs> signed up for a triathlon. <laughs> Uh, ra rather than ask you what you were thinking, uh, let's, let's move into where did you start? Did, did you get swim lessons? Did you read a book? Um, well, I, like, I knew how to swim enough. Like I told Sarah before this enough to not drown, um, and could kind of limp along something that might've looked a little bit like freestyle, but it was certainly not, I've never been trained or anything like that. Um, so I couldn't find a local like master's group or coach like you and um, coach Jen had kind of recommended, but the book that you recommended total immersion swimming. Yes. I did read, I don't think I finished the whole thing yet, but I did read some of that to get some of the tips on um, just drills and different form and technique that would help, um, you know, make it a little bit less of a struggle. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but other than that, I, joined the gym that's local that has a pool and just got to work. <laughs> yeah. I, <don't> <laughs> I have to say, so, um, when I saw Liz at the run show, that's where I discovered that she, like myself is an adult onset swimmer. Uh, mm -hmm. I loved Liz using that term. And, and there I mentioned that I taught myself how to swim with my face in the water by reading a book a million years ago. Literally, it was probably 1993. Um, and uh, no, gosh, it must have been even before that. I think it was 89 or 90. Anyway, it was by a woman named Jane Katz, uh, swim 30 laps in 30 days. And and not meaning that you swim one a day, but by the end of 30 days, you'd be able to swim 30 laps. And so I, I like you, Lauren, I joined a gym and they, their pool was 20 yards long, which nothing bothers me more than a 20 yard long pool, <laughs> 20 yard short pool. And, um, and just taught myself how to put my face in the water and alternate breathe. And um, gosh, I just felt so proud of, of myself. <laughs> um, so tell us about your first swimming workout. Um, you wrote on Instagram again, I, I love strolling people's Instagram accounts. Um, day one sprint triathlon training that was dot, dot, dot humbling. Haven't fe <laughs> felt that out of shape in a hot minute. Oh, yes. I guess after the first workout, I felt like I knew it wasn't going to be easy. I wasn't like talking myself into that or anything, but I, um, coming off of half marathon training, like my cardio fitness was pretty good. And, um, you know, it's always a little challenging to be new and not great at something. Mm -hmm. Um, so I felt like I, Hey, I did that and that was doable. It wasn't 
terrible, but wow, why am I so out of breath? I had to take breaks. So, I mean, up until like a couple of weeks ago, I was still taking very frequent breaks and frustrated off and on. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was just, I got put back in my place that like, well, you're not good at this. So <laughs> like, it's going to be a little bit, you're going to have to learn a little more. So, yeah. I, I teach this open water class on the weekends and it's, it's a lot of, a lot of men show up and you know, they're, you could tell they're super fit and they get in the water and, and they're just panicking and flailing all over. And I often tell them that swimming doesn't care how fit you are as a runner, <laughs> a weightlifter, a crossfitter. <laughs> Swimming's a totally different beast. Um, and, and what I love, Lauren, about like this learning curve of, of your swimming with you is you're so open and honest and sharing your trials and tribulations in the Facebook group. And, mm-hmm. and I think that transparency is really comforting to the other people in that group who are struggling just like you. And it just normalizes that when we take on something new, it's, it's hard in many different ways. Um, but, but it's still, I love that you're persisting with it. Yeah. I mean, I thought about that leading up to the podcast. Like I almost didn't post that one day that I was really super frustrated. And I want to say that was only like a week and a half or two weeks ago that I posted that. Um, (laughs) only because like, I mean, I used to be very shy and I don't want to draw attention to myself and I'll feel silly, but I know from being in other, uh, train, like a mother programs, like if you have that question or that struggle, like somebody else, Mm -hmm. at least one other person is also riding the same struggle bus. So Mm -hmm. I was just feeling very defeated after my workout, like literally crying, I'll be honest. And, Mm. and I was like, this is ridiculous. I have to post. I'm not going to be quiet about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and and you were brave enough. You were the first person who posted your swim video on that page too. Well, I think well, Lorinda might have, but she's not new, so. <laughs> oh, I got my L's mixed up. But yes, but I was <laughs> the first new swim person to post a video, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then what was it like walking out onto the pool deck that first time if you're saying you feel shy and you kind of like to, you know, hide a little bit? I mean, you know, there you are, you're in a a swimsuit. So you're not, not, not covered up in any way. You know, it feels very vulnerable to me whenever I walk out onto a pool deck, you know? Yeah. I still get a little rush of anxiety, even just driving to the gym because the pool's small. There's only four lanes. Um, mm-hmm. and it's 25 meters, I believe. I hope that's what I've been counting it as. Um, <laughs> it is now. Um, so just the fact that like, I am not comfortable enough yet, nor do I think I swim in a straight enough line yet to share a lane with somebody without running over them, you know? Um, so I get a little like anxiety, just driving to the gym. Like, is it going to be full? Am I going to have to come back later because my schedule is such that I can't sit and wait or, Mm. um, the one time it was more empty. I'm like, Oh my gosh, the young lifeguard is probably watching me and judging my every move because I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm just those kind of thoughts. I mean, I've always loved the water and loved, um, swimming, like not swimming laps, but swimming like for fun in the summer, like with my family, with kids, things like that. But, Mm -hmm. um, to get in and swim for fitness and for laps, I'm like, um, I clearly don't know what I'm doing here. And I don't want that person to know. And I don't want the lifeguard to know. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. I, a few weekends ago, I was the only person in the pool for my entire 
workout. There's eight lanes. I was the only swimmer. And I just was like, there's the lifeguard, you know, and they have to watch, mm-hmm. you know, that's their job. And I finally told myself, I'm like, I'm like the president swimming in the basement of the White House. <laughs> <laughs> Very important. Just me and the lifeguard. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so you told me you watched a YouTube video on how to use a pull buoy. I thought that was very ingenious of you. I've watched so many YouTube videos in the last several weeks, Sarah. Oh my goodness. So many. I mean, well, and coaches Liz and Jen both linked a couple for us as well, but, um, yeah, I ordered my swim cap goggles. I didn't have a suit for like laps anymore. I had, you know, leisure bathing suits. I didn't have any like workout bathing suits. Mm -hmm. So I had to like order all that. And I, then coaches said a a pull buoy is good to have. So yeah, I ordered all those and they came and then I'm like, what the heck do I do with this thing? (laughs) So yeah, somebody with a nice, uh, either Australian or New Zealand accent explained how to use it on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you think like it went, maybe went between your ankles or like, which end was up. I don't know if I had any like notion about it. I just, just like, I'm going to look this up because clearly this is out of my wheelhouse. So I, we should say that a pull buoy is a typically styrofoam or some other type of buoyant, um, material that is kind of shaped like a, a 3d, um, number eight, um, and that you put between your upper thighs. And so then it makes it so you don't have to use your legs so you can focus on, uh, your upper body while you swim. Yes. My kids laugh at it because the person doing the video had the accent and it sounded like they were calling it a pool boy. So <laughs> it will be known in my house as the pool boy from now on. Pool boy. <laughs> it's, it's Matt Dillon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. So how, how did you make your gear decisions? You know, were those based on reviews? Was it what coach Liz and Jen suggested other people on the Facebook page? How'd you decide? Um, I think, well, so I like purple. It's no secret. So, well, my swim cap is purple and my pull buoy is purple. And, um, my suit is not because they didn't have my size in purple. I'm very disappointed, but, um, the, I just went based on like, I got a speedo swim cap because, um, the AMR one, I didn't snag back in the day when it was in the store. And I knew I was, one was coming with the swag. So I was like, I'll wait on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got, I think I got the speedo goggles that coach Jen recommended, but I also got a different pair that, um, was a little bit different that I think was more similar to what my husband had when he did his triathlon. Um, and I've gone back and forth between both kind of trying them out to see which ones I like better. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, so Lauren, how are you liking swimming? Now that it's not as frustrating, I am loving it because I've always loved the water. So now that I'm not <laughs> having to take a break every 50 to hundred meters, um, it's much more relaxing and just, you know, having your head in the water and there's not too much noise and out and kind of block out all the outside things of the world, kind of like all the other fitness things that I do. It's a nice getaway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have our big race coming up in, oh, a little over a month and excited to see you out there finishing the triathlon. But what do you think after that, do you get the sense that you're going to stick with swimming or just put it back on the shelf? 
Uh, two weeks ago, I would have told you <laughs> I'm done <laughs> after this. Um, I was like, I'm just going to quit the gym as soon as I'm done. And cause I've got my fill of training for swimming, but I, I don't know. I mean, I like, um, varying the workouts I do like running had been my primary sport, but my body isn't always uh, so happy with me if I'm only doing running. So, um, I know when I was doing biking and running a couple summers ago, kind of alternating a little bit of both, my hip was a lot happier. My low back was a lot happier. Mm-hmm. So, um, it seems like swimming is something I could see myself definitely keeping in my repertoire of workouts so that I can mm-hmm. kind of vary. Cause I don't want to like, you know, I'm not that old, but I'm not getting any younger and I don't want to beat my body up all the time. So it's a nice, not as much impact and not as much stress on certain areas that get overused when I'm training for a long race for -hmm. running. Mm -hmm. Right on. I love that that transitions happened maybe just in the past two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So, so what surprised you most about swimming? Um, I guess just how many, (laughs) I said to my husband, cause he's done it before. I'm like, there's so many moving parts at the same time. Like, <laughs> I know, I don't know if it was the book or something. One of the videos or one of the coaches said about like, only focus on like one aspect. Like oh, I'm going to focus on like a higher turnover for this lap or whatever. I'm going to focus on rotating my hips for this lap or whatever the case is, rather than you can't like think of all the things all like at one point until they become more like second nature to you. Mm-hmm. Um, So that is kind of something that I was like, there are so many things going on at the same time. Like I need to be making my arms go faster. I'm supposed to keep my body streamlined and like at the level of the water. And like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's too many things to be managing. (laughs) (laughs) So have you attempted any open water swimming yet uh, to prepare for the race? I have not, but it is on my list of things to call about. I need to get my bike tuned up. That's on my list. And, um, the place where my husband did his sprint try, uh, several years ago is a state park, which is a little, I think it's an hour, a little more than an hour North of us. Um, and they have a lake and they actually do have open water swims on Monday nights that you can sign up for where they have lifeguards, kayakers, you know, and, um, people there to help. Because I know my husband said like, even people who are good swimmers will freak out in open water sometimes. (laughs) So, um, and he had had experience swimming in like a pond at someone's house before. So he like, which is not a lake obviously, but, um, I plan to sign up for a couple of those before, it is race time so that I have practice and I am not one of those people who freaks out when I get in the water. Wow. That's, that's commitment to drive an hour each way to do that. I'm impressed. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll sign up for one and we'll see how I feel after that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do, uh, I mean, you all have a lot of rivers there in Pittsburgh. Is that not an option? It's kind of gross. I don't think I oh. get in one of those. <laughs> we tested the water in college bio class and I don't know that I would go in there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, so what advice do you, would you give to someone who's taking up swimming, especially since it can seem so intimidating for gals considering a triathlon? Like I think it keeps a fair number of people perhaps out of triathlon because of that. Um, well, I would say like, as our coaches 
hearsay if you can get a local coach, which I did not. I realized I didn't do that. But if you have <laughs> access to one, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I did not. I couldn't find one around here on all like the different master swimming like websites and things like that. But if you can find someone in person, that would be great. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I didn't follow my own advice. Um, and then <laughs> Otherwise, I mean, there's a lot, thankfully, in this day and age of technology, there's a lot of resources, whether it's YouTube videos from some of the triathlon organizations or um, that the book that Liz, you recommended was, I didn't even finish the whole thing and it was super helpful. Some of the, just the pointers and drills that they um, gave to work on some of the form things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever watched any of the total immersion videos? Cause I mean, Terry Laughlin did so many of those. I didn't see any of those videos i just i was old school reading the book i guess (laughs) oh oh yeah 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 oh gosh and he used to um he's no longer living he um but uh uh he used to go around the country doing Mm -hmm. clinics that were super popular and i always contemplated taking one i'm sorry i didn't ever do that um so okay so liz let me turn it over to you then other than the advice that lauren um says that you gave which is to have a have a coach teach you what what would you suggest to newbie swimmers so i think the the thing I often tell swimmers to remember is that you need to breathe. <laughs> and I know it sounds very basic, but breathing is fundamental to the swim stroke. And if you can get a handle on your breathing, the arms, the legs, everything else tends to fall a little bit in place better, but you can't do any of that until you're breathing. People get into the water, they panic, they hold their breath. You don't hold your breath in running. You don't hold your breath when you're just out there walking the dog. So, you know, you don't want to hold your breath and get panicky uh, in swimming either. So Mm -hmm. I would say really focus on the breathing first. Mm -hmm. Put your head under. Get used to your head being under, blowing bubbles, learning how to turn your head to breathe. And once you can master that, the breathing becomes calming to you. And, and, mm-hmm. and because when you're out there swimming, the only thing you have is you and your, and your breathing pattern. So mm-hmm. just getting a handle on it and using it to relax and calm yourself down. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Cause there, there can be some panic that sets in with swimming. Yeah. It's uh, very normal, very normal. Even the first time I get into open water each season, mm-hmm. oh, I have my freeze moment where I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, whoa. What? Where, where's the bottom what's below me is that vegetation <laughs> something <laughs> touched my leg <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 oh my gosh yeah and um i just also try to tell myself sometimes that it's not panic it's just that my heart rate is going faster and that's what my body reads as panic it's like it's mm-hmm. okay my heart's just beating faster it's not pan- i'm not panicking i'm not having anxiety and just, you know, kind of talking myself down from the ceiling of the pool. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The breathing was what was fresh, what was frustrating me the most. I mean, that's not what I thought it was until mm. I posted that frustration post. <laughs> like <laughs> I was trying to breathe. Like if you, I don't know, my husband said he counted every other as one. I was trying to br- go like one, two, three, breathe, like breathe on the fourth <laughs> one. Yeah. And Liz was like, uh, you just breathe every two. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And now <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is because it is, it's not like running or biking or walking where you can breathe whenever you want to, you have to get into that rhythm. And that's what was making it so frustrating for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Well, Lauren, thank you for joining us and good luck with the triathlon. You know, you'll have coach Liz there for you. And, uh, I think it's going to be a great weekend. Yeah. I'm excited to see everybody. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, best of luck to you in the pool. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. 
I love welcoming somebody new to the pool. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, things you can wear to and from the pool, maybe are Wazelle co-branded shorts. They are selling fast. Wazelle is um, a by women for women brand based up in Seattle. We were delighted to partner with them this month. And so we uh, got a pair of their pocket joggers, got a pair of their Roga shorts. Um, so kind of a fitted bike style short, and then more of a classic track um, style short. And then we put another mother runner, our shoes on it. They are so cute, really great colors and they are truly truly selling fast so snag a pair for yourself now you can get those at anothermotherrunner.com slash shorts that's anothermotherrunner.com slash shorts or just go to anothermotherrunner.com and click on store and you're going to find them our podcast today was produced in portland oregon by alex ward from sounds like pictures many happy miles mm -hmm.